You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek podcast, recorded live each Sunday at St. John's Anglican Church, Diamond Creek. This episode presented by Youth and Young Adults Minister, Kirk McKenzie. reading today is from 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 to 14. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, because you are willing, as God wants you to be not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders, all of You clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes to the proud but shows favour to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and sober. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy and the your enemy, the devil prowls around like a prowling lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers, though out the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called into his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings, and so does my son, Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Thanks, David. Keep that passage open, everybody, Um, because we're going to look at it in a bit of detail. It's the last passage in this book called 1 Peter, uh, and that's the series we've been in the last few weeks. And uh, so this will be the last in the series. It's a letter written by Peter, one of Jesus' friends, and um, the guy Jesus basically left in charge of the church after... He left the earth. And so Peter has presented Christian life as being a bit like a journey uh, where the journey starts when you become a Christian and you start that relationship with Jesus 
and it ends when you die and you go to be with Jesus in heaven, or if Jesus comes back before you die, then the sort of journey is complete then. Uh, so we've had this idea of uh, things that we need for that journey, to do that journey well, to get to the end. Uh, and so there's some directions and there's some things we need to bring with us, and these sort of things have been reflected throughout the series that we've been looking at. This whole idea of eternal life being the end of the journey is again present in today's passage. If you had a look at verse 4, it talks about this crown of glory that will never fade away. And this is the idea that when you're with Jesus, that's a glorious thing, it's awesome, it's amazing, and it doesn't fade. It's an eternal thing that will keep going. So that's the end of the journey, and we've been looking at these things that we need for the journey. And today we're going to focus on this bottom one here, humility. And talk about the importance of humility on the journey, as well as the theme of power, which is very much related to humility and is is a big theme in the passage. So that's where we're headed tonight. This section is first few verses. Peter addresses what the Bible calls elders. Now, when the New Testament uses the word elder, it's not referring so much to older people, to the elderly uh, it's referring to leaders. It's the, it's the word that the, the Bible uses to refer to the senior leaders in the church. Now, logically, probably they're going to be older people in the church if they're senior leaders because you've had more opportunity to gather experience, you've had more opportunity to gather wisdom, you've made more mistakes which you can learn from. And so probably a lot of the elders were older, but primarily this is talking about senior leaders and not just sort of people who have lived longer. So he gives a few words to leaders and then he gives a few words to followers, people who are under leadership. So it's pretty much everyone in one way or another. And so we're going to see these themes of power and humility really come out as we look at what Peter has to say to leaders and to followers. So what is the difference between a leader and a non-leader? Well, I would argue that the power given to them in their role is a big difference, a big differentiator. So, for example, over the last nine weeks, while Tim Johnson, our senior minister, has been away on long service leave, I've been the acting senior minister at this church. So I've had more power to make decisions about our church life, uh, power to do good or evil. (laughs) I've hoped it's mainly at least been neutral uh, and some good. Uh, But, yeah, I've had more power in in this role that I've been given. Where did I get that power? Well, some of it comes from the system. You know, we have an Anglican denomination which has, like, job descriptions and governance acts and this sort of stuff, and they outline what power a senior minister has and what decisions they can make. But I've also noticed that it's not just the stuff that's written down that's sort of the organisational sort of documented sort of stuff. There's also, there's a relational power that goes with being a leader. And so, for example, some people have treated me differently in the last nine weeks than to what they did before. Now, that's not a criticism or anything, but I've noticed it. And I would suggest it's because of the, the, there's been a change in power there, and that's, that's influenced the relationship a little bit. Um, and so sometimes we do that. We just sort of give people power relationally, even if it's not written down, it still sort of, ha- sort of happens. So what we do with that power, whether it's given to us by a system or whether it's just given to us relationally, is really important. And 
what we're going to be talking about today is specifically church leadership, but my opinion is the principles that we learn from this section in the book of 1 Peter apply really well in all other areas of life. So I would be confident you could take these principles into your job, into your school, into your family, uh, into your sports team, and they would work really well and they would actually make a positive difference. So I encourage you to think about that. And if you think, I don't lead anything, so I'm just going to check out of the first half of the talk, well, you probably have some sort of power in your life, some sort of unofficial leadership, even if you don't have an official role. You know, maybe you're an older sibling um, or, you, you know, you're just sort of a, a, an unofficial mentor to some younger kids at school who just look up to you because you're a bit older or, you know, this sort of thing. There'll be some sort of area where you've got a bit of power. And so it's important that you still sort of think about the principles that Peter gives us here when he's talking about leadership. So let's have a look at it. Verses 2 and 3. I reckon there's three solid principles in these verses for leaders. So he says, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. So he uses this example of a shepherd who looks after a flock of sheep. And a good shepherd is going to really care for that flock. It's going to be really looking out for the well-being uh, of those sheep. And so a good leader is going to be looking out for the well-being of the people that they're leading. God's people, in this case, of church leaders. And so they, that, that you actually care. That you're actually somebody who's invested in their lives and that you value the people that you're with. And we want to avoid thinking about strong leadership being like a drill sergeant. Have you ever seen a drill sergeant in a military movie where they just line the troops up either side of the room and just march up and down like just basically just tearing strips off them, criticising them, uh, just sort of verbally abusing them into you know, conforming to what's going on. And so there's not much of a sense when you see a drill sergeant like that that they really care about the people. They probably care about the task and the mission and, you know, the tactics and so on, but there's not a sense that they really care about the people. And what Peter is saying is no Christian leaders are called to care about the people that they lead. That's the first thing. The second thing is that leaders would have a willingness to serve. And we don't want it to be like, you know, when kids get told to do the dishes in the sort of like, oh, do I have to, this sort of thing that happens, you know, you probably still think that even if you're old enough to stop saying it out loud. And so um, we want to resist this sort of attitude to leadership, which is just, oh, okay, like, okay, I'll serve. Look, now look, occasionally there's just a, a, a rubbish job that nobody wants to do but has to get done. But my observation is churches that have a lot of their leadership um, roles filled by people who are just doing it because nobody else would do it start to run into problems. And this does happen where people say, I don't really want to be leading in this area, but nobody else would do it, so I stepped in. It's this sort of grudging duty um, that, that sort of comes across. And the more people in a church that have that attitude to their leadership, the more likely the leadership is going to run into more and more problems. So there needs to be a willingness to serve there, even when serving people 
is hard because leading people can be very challenging and like I've, I've been doing sort of church leadership for about 15 years and I would gladly give back a bunch of the, <laughs> the problems that have come my way because of that but if you're willing to serve and to deal with the hard things that's really valuable. So the first thing is to care for God's people. Second is a willingness, second is a willingness to serve. And the third thing comes from this idea in, in verse 3 of not lording it over people. And that phrase basically makes it t- talking about leaders who make themselves feel big because of the power that they have and everybody else feels small. Maybe you could think of a, a popular leader who leads like this, <coughs> Donald Trump, um, but sorry, I do have a cough today. But uh, people like that are hard to trust, and they're, they're, they might get your attention, and they might make a lot of noise. But somebody who's just constantly about making themselves bigger and more powerful uh, is hard to trust, and it's not the sort of leader that God wants in His church or anywhere else. So don't lord it over people. When you've got power, it's not. If you want to be a leader so that you can get popular, or you can get famous, or you can get rich, uh, then they are they're bad motivations for wanting to take on leadership. The most important thing is that we're not lording it over people. We are willing to serve, and we are ready to care for the people that we're leading. So they're the three principles that Peter gives to leaders. He then goes, all right, now that we've outlined that, we're going to talk about how to respond, how to be a follower. And he talks about humility. Now, humility is, I think, very much in these three points, that leaders need to be humble. Um, and it, it's, sort of, it's not like, oh, leaders can be sort of not humble and then everyone else needs to be humble. Everyone needs to do this. But he just starts using the word in verse 4, humility. What's humility mean? I like C.S. Lewis's definition. He says, True humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. So first he addresses false humility. False humility is where you go, where you're good at something and you lie about it and say that you're not. Or where you've done something well and you lie about it and say that you didn't. That's false humility. That's just lying. That's not helpful. That's not what God wants. Humility is thinking of yourself less. So you can acknowledge your own strengths and the things that you have been successful at, but that you're just not all about you. You're not self-obsessed. It's a reverse of lording it over people. Instead of making yourself big and everyone else small, humility is about making yourself smaller so you've got more time for other people. Um, Humility acknowledges that you are not the most important person in the room, you're not the most important person in the world, in the universe. Um, and, and that's really important for leaders and followers. Like, leaders need to know, you know, like, okay, so just because I'm the senior minister at the moment doesn't mean I'm better than anyone in the room. Doesn't mean I'm more valuable than anyone in the room, more important than anyone in the room. No, I have an important role, but that does not make me a better person in any sense. And so a humble attitude understands that and thinks about other people in that way. So, leaders are called to be humble, but followers are called to be humble too. Let's have a look at verses 5, 6, and 7 and see what Peter says about that. He says, In the same way, those who are younger, who are not leaders, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. I like this idea that, like, 
Humility is so important that you just put it on in the morning when you get dressed you know, every day. And then he quotes the Old Testament, the book of Proverbs, and says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Now let me clarify something there. When it says God opposes the proud, it's not talking about the sort of pride where you, you know, you're proud of a little kid taking their first steps or you're proud of your footy team winning on the weekend. That's not the sort of pride that God opposes. It's talking this sort of selfish, arrogant pride where you just think, I'm great, I'm awesome. Uh, you know, that sort of just really into yourself pride. That's the sort of stuff that God opposes. But humility, well, God shows favour to those who have humility, to those who are humble. And so he says, because God shows favour to the humble, therefore, under God's mighty hand, he will lift you up in due time. And you can cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. A little bit of Christian logic here, okay? I understand some of you don't necessarily believe in God at the moment. You're still checking stuff out. You're investigating Christianity. That's awesome. Um, great to have you with us. But for those of you who do believe in God, particularly um, as outlined in the Bible, let's just do a little logical exercise. So you believe in a being who created everything, who knows everything, who sees everything, who hears everything and is all-powerful. Humility is the only logical response to believing that God exists. That someone that powerful, like, it just seems ridiculous that when we believe in God, that we would spend a lot of time and energy trying to make ourselves big compared to other people, more powerful compared to other people. Because all power comes from God. We are, as the image is, that we're under his mighty hand. But the thing is, we don't have to be humble because we're worried if we're too proud, like God's going to squash us or that he, he's going to stamp on us, he doesn't like us or whatever. Because as it says, well, you don't have to worry because God cares for you. God cares for you. He loves you. He shows you grace. Grace mentioned, mentioned many times in, in the book of 1 Peter. Uh, unconditional love that God shows us. So um, that, that, that's logical that we would be humble in response to God and that we would not be just pumping ourselves up all the time. Now, here's the thing. I don't think it's going to be easy for us to be humble in response to leadership if you've grown up in Australia. Possibly if you grew up in another country, it's going to be easier. But in Australia, we don't tend to easily respect leaders. You know, I grew up working class in the suburbs of Melbourne and I would summarise our response to leadership is this. Leadership was to be resisted, it was to be challenged, it was to be criticised, and if you're too cowardly to do that to the leader's face, at the very least you should gossip about them behind their back. And that was how it went. Like, that was just... It wasn't spoken necessarily. That's just what you picked up at school and you picked up, you know, around the place. That, like, yeah, we sort of... We resist leaders. Um, did some mission training. We're going to do a, a short trip to the Middle East... And one of the guys doing the training said, what you need to understand as an Australian is, I think I mentioned this um, another time here, but he said, you've got to realise Australia is the least respectful of authority out of all the countries in the world. Like, we may be the most disrespectful, dishonouring of leadership of all the countries in the world. 
Now, there can be good things about that. I don't want to be too critical of us because I think it means we're unlikely to ever have sort of a, a mad dictator sort of be given all the power and sort of completely derail the nation because we just won't respect them enough for them to be able to do that. <laughs> um, so, so there is good things in that and it sort of stops the problems with power that we see. But also, it might actually stop leaders being really good with their power if we don't have a humble attitude towards their leadership. And this is particularly in the church, but you can see how that might play out for leaders in different parts of society. So, if you're like me and you've sort of absorbed that Aussie thing, it is a real challenge to respect leadership. And it is a challenge to be humble in light of that. I've grappled with it for a long time. I was so disrespectful of Christian leaders when I first started taking Jesus seriously. It was just, I was just in that, that challenge mode. I was like, I just got to challenge everything and push back and push back. Um, and I've really had to sort of learn how to sort of calm that down, that side of me down, and keep a lot more control over it. Now, as I'm saying this, and I'm pumping up being humble towards leaders... I think a fair question you could be asking is, well, does that mean we just become doormats for leaders? That, like, they can walk any old crap all over us, you know, because we're being humble and we're not sort of challenging them and so on, that they can just sort of... Any old corrupt, dud leader can just sort of be doing a terrible job, be making immoral decisions, and we've just sort of got to roll over and take it. That's a fair question to ask yourself when, when it comes to this thing, because, let's be honest... The misuse of power has caused all sorts of horrendous problems in the world. And in fact, um, in verses 8 and 9, Satan is mentioned as being involved in this whole thing and causing problems. That actually the, the, the devil, this evil presence that's in the world, is trying to um, strip us of humility, both leaders and followers. You know, our enemy's ultimate aim would be for nobody to be humble. <laughs> because that's going to do a whole lot of damage to God's good plans for the world. So it's a fair question to go, well, it's okay, it's easy to be humble when the leaders are doing an awesome job. When you can just go, yeah, they're the best, they're great, they're doing, I loved all their decisions. It's, you still might feel like cutting them down because they're a tall poppy, because you're Australian, but it's going to be pretty easy to follow and to sort of be humble in that leadership. But what about when you disagree with the leader? What about when you think they're doing the wrong thing Maybe they're doing an immoral thing or maybe they're just stuffing up or heading in the wrong direction. How do you respond? Should we just be a doormat? Well, no. And the reason we shouldn't be is because of the example of Jesus. Let's have a think about where's Peter getting all these tips on leadership from? Where's he getting all this teaching from? He got it from Jesus. He spent three years as Jesus' apprentice learning leadership Jesus' style, learning how to live life as Jesus taught us to live, having the perfect example of Jesus himself, showing how to be humble but being strong at the same time. And when we look at Jesus, we actually see that he was not a doormat for corrupt leaders. He would challenge leadership. He would, If he thought something was wrong, he'd ask about it. If he thought people were heading in the wrong direction, he'd tell a story that got them to think about the direction they were heading. Um, he, he did resist some things that everyone else was doing. 
He didn't organize an armed rebellion, as some people wanted him to. He didn't kill people he disagreed with or fight them with his fists. But he did humbly challenge them and resist them. And there's so many examples that I encourage you, if you're unfamiliar with those stories of Jesus, read the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Go through and you'll see the way Jesus leads and you'll see the way he humbly responds to leadership without being weak and just walked over by corrupt leaders. So that's the challenge in humility, is to be humble, be respectful of leaders, but also to be strong. And uh, Peter mentions this in verses 10 and 11. So he says, The God of all grace, who called you into his eternal glory in Christ, after you've suffered a little while, so yeah, being humble is going to be challenging, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. Strong, firm and steadfast are not weak words. That's not a description of someone who's a doormat. That's a description of someone who is strong in their faith and in their convictions. And then the last verse saying, to him be the power forever and ever. Amen. So again, acknowledging how big God is, how powerful God is. All the power comes from God. God does not want us to then grab at every little bit of power we can to sort of make ourselves a bit bigger and then we can take on the evil in the world. He wants us to humble ourselves and as we do that, he will strengthen us and he'll prepare us to take on the challenges of life and prepare us to face the evils in the world. So you start with humility and your strength comes from there. Your strength doesn't come from trying to grab power from somewhere else. Okay, I just want to finish by practically working this through. Okay, so how can we humbly respond to leaders without getting doormatted and do it in a good sort of godly way? So let's just scenario it. Something is taught at church, maybe up the front, maybe in your life group, and you disagree with what's being taught. Or maybe you just don't like the decisions one of the ministry leaders is making to do with a certain ministry. You don't like the direction it's going. How do you respond? Let's think of a negative response, one that I would not recommend first. I would say this is the most common way that people respond in the wrong way to that scenario. You find a few people who you think will agree with you and then you gossip about the leader. This happens a lot. In church, outside of church, that's often the way people respond to a disagreement or a problem. Find some people who agree with you, gossip about the leader. Might even feel like you're being a bit humble doing that because you're not grabbing a microphone and making a big deal of it. You know, you're not sort of making a lot of loud noise. It's just sort of a few people. But in reality, it's a power play. It's trying to take power away from the leader and bring it into a different group and, and sort of bring it around you. Also, doesn't really achieve anything. It's not going to change the situation because if they don't know about it, <laughs> the leader doesn't know about the problem, then they've got no opportunity to respond. So I do see that. And I, I would say... There are sins in the church that get bigger headlines than gossip and that in the moment are much worse in the damage that they do. But I would also say from a day-to-day just church life situation, I think gossip does the most damage in our church of all the sins, just on a day-to-day basis. 
I'm not saying it's the worst sin, but I'm saying across the board, I reckon it does the most damage. Many of you will have experienced that either in church or outside, and you know the damage that gossip can do in, in um, friendship circles and in you know, organisations and so on. So let's try and avoid that. Let's not do that. And by the way, I'm not pointing the finger at anyone here and saying as if I've never gossiped, okay? Because I certainly have. I regret it and I hope that I can rid it of my life. Okay, let me tell you a positive example. So years ago, a friend of mine um, was not happy with the way I was leading our life group. Particularly, there was one area of the life group that they were not happy with. And so they approached me in a really positive way about it, I, I would say it's a humble way. And this goes back, back, back to our teaching on conflict last year, which if you missed out that, see if you can track it down on our website, it'd be worth listening to. But she approached me privately and in person, wasn't on an email, wasn't in a text message, didn't blow up in front of a group, just approached me privately about it and, and gently and respectfully raised the concern. Now I got pretty defensive um, and you know, you're on the back foot and, and so on. But I reckon I just listened enough that her, you know, I was able to hear what she was saying. So it was touch and go, but I just snuck in there. And the most valuable thing that came out of the conversation was she gave me a whole bunch of extra information about what was going on in the lives of people, one person in particular, that I didn't know. And to be fair, I probably had no way of knowing that then made a whole lot more sense as to why she was concerned. You know, once I was like, oh, now that I know that, I understand why you have concerns with the way I'm leading. Because I honestly was leading the very best I could. I was putting in the effort. I'm not saying I was doing a good job, but I was, do I was doing my best as far as I knew how to at that point. But I didn't have that extra information. So the benefit of this humble con confrontation that happened was I was able to learn more about the group and then we were able to talk about ways that I could change the way I was leading to be more effective. Now, that would never have happened if it was just a gossip situation that happened in another part of the group and I never heard about it. And it would never have happened, I think, if she'd come in really aggressive and sort of, you know, sort of, I'm right, you're wrong, I'm big, you're small sort of thing, because then I would have got so defensive I wouldn't have heard anything that she said. So that's a really positive example of challenging a leader, I think. And um, I've had many examples of that, including from people uh, in this room. It's really valuable and um, don't underestimate the good that it does when you can respond in that way um, for a leader. So here's our challenge. If you are in leadership somewhere in your life, care for the people that you lead. Be willing to serve them even when it's hard and don't lord it over them. And for all of us, let's have a humble attitude in the way we respond to the different leaders in our life. I just want to pray for us now as we reflect on that. Dear God, we ask that you help us with our attitudes, those initial thoughts we have when we respond to somebody else. Could you help us, please, Lord, to have humble attitudes when we're leading and when we're not? Help us to think the best of other people. Help us to be gracious as you have been gracious to us. To show people kindness even if maybe we think they haven't deserved it in that moment. Because that's what you do for us. I guess we're just asking that you help us be more like Jesus. 
to lead like Jesus, to be humble like Jesus. We need your help to do that. So we ask for it now through the power of your spirit and in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you've got any questions about this podcast, connect with us on our website, stjohnsdc.org.au or at facebook.com slash stjohnsdc. Don't forget, you can join us live in Diamond Creek every Sunday at 9.30am and 6pm.